So, to everything and every time, there's a season, a purpose, a reason, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to gather, a time to scatter, a time, a season, there's ebbs and flows, there's this moment where the earth begins to rotate around the sun, and it makes this rotation, and as it's doing it, it's tilted slightly on its axis, and there's sunrises and sunsets, and there's high tides and low tides, and the sun comes up and the sun comes down, and it was evening, and it was morning, the first day, the second day, the third day, and there's this flow, there's this pattern, your heart has a certain beat. It beats blood through your body to a certain rhythm. And when you start running, it starts to beat faster. And when you slow down, it starts to beat slower. There's rhythms and patterns. And you learn to crawl and you learn to walk and you learn to ride a bicycle. And you learn to do all of these things. And there's patterns and seasons and flows to life, ins and outs, ups and downs. And there's the reality that one day we will all die. And there's the certain idea of that, the certain reality that we are really more spiritual beings than we are physical. That the fact is we are in eternity even at this moment. That when we die, man, that we're, it's not the end, it's just the end of this body. And that we will go on. And life keeps moving. And there's patterns. And there's flows. And, the, and the, there, there's this, the concept that, man, we're more spiritual than we are physical. There's more reality to the things that we can't see than the things that we do see. And as Christians, as believers of Man, that there, there's something beyond us, something beyond just this life that we're living in right now. There's a great hope in that. There's a great hope in that, man, Jesus has come and he's died and he's made a way that we could enter in and, and spend eternity with him. And, man, just to think about that, this moment of just eternity, that life is just this vapor, this moment, this second. And there's flows and there's patterns. It goes up and down. And one day, Jesus is talking to this group of people. There's a multitude around him, and he says this. Hey, look, you guys, you can look to the west, and you can see these clouds forming. And you can say, look, there's going to be rain. And then you can look and say, listen, the wind is blowing from the south. It's going to bring in warm weather. And to which, at this point in the conversation, it just kind of changes tone. And he just says, listen, hypocrites, how is it how is it that you can discern the faces of the sky and the earth, but you can't discern the times that you're living in? Saying, so, listen, you, you, you can look to the clouds and know, man, it's going to rain. You can look to the, look at the south. The south wind's blowing. It's going to warm up, which basically tells us Jesus was probably from around Brunswick County because that's the way it works. Clouds, west, south wind gets warmer. And so he says, but how? How can we know these things? We can look, and we can look at the, the seasons and tides, tides and, and these ebbs and flows and know, but yet we can't understand and discern the times. Now, a little bit later, Jesus gets this direct question from the Pharisee in chapter 17. He says this, And now he was asked by a Pharisee when the kingdom of God would come. 
And he answered them and said this, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. And he, and he said to the disciples, The days will come when we desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look here or look there, but do not go after them or follow them. And so here's this really interesting conversation that Jesus has, and the conversation takes on two parts. One is the direct answer that he has from a Pharisee. And when we say Pharisee, we could replace that with a religious leader, a religious leader of the day, someone that's teaching the people about the ways of God, asks this question, well, where is the kingdom? I need to see it, it, it this, the physical idea of it. Where is it? And to which Jesus says, listen, you, you, you can't. You can't see it. You can't say here. Or there. You, you can't pull this thing up on MapQuest. You can't buy vacation tickets and go and just enter the kingdom. The kingdom of God is within you. And, and to which, at this point, you could just kind of imagine the look on the Pharisee's face. But at this point, Jesus changes the conversation from his attention to the Pharisee to now his attention to the disciples. And he says this to them. The days will come when you will d- desire to see even one day like this, like the Son of Man. And it won't be there. And he's speaking of himself, saying, listen, the kingdom of God is right here. I'm standing right here in front of you. In other words, you guys don't realize how, you got, how good you have it right now. You don't realize how good you have it right now. I'm standing right here in front of you. And see, their, their questions are composed of, well, when is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? When is the, the kingdom going to come? When's, when are you going to do this and come back? Like, Jesus, I haven't even left yet. This is right here in this moment, in this season, at this time. You're gonna, there will be days when you desire for this. And it's not going to happen because I'm going to be gone. How often is that the case with us that, man, we don't realize how good we got it. And sometimes we don't realize how, we, how good we have it until it's gone. Until we wake up and it's 50 years later. Or until we wake up and she's gone. Or he's gone. Or this has happened or that's happened. And, and we're always so far off in the future that we forget the present and the gift that is right in front of us. See, we are a forgetful people. And what happens, especially, I've heard time and time again where people will go and, uh, myself included, will take a, a missions trip or something. You'll go to somewhere else in the world and you'll be encountered with not just poverty, but extreme poverty. Not just sickness, but extreme sickness. Not just hard circumstances, but extreme hard circumstances. And, and for a while, it kind of changes something inside of us. Something kind of clicks and we just... Man, God, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for running water and electricity. And, and, and I, ha- I have a car to get to work. And I even have a job and all these things. And, and, and it lasts for a little while. But inevitably, all, all of that gratitude, all of that realization begins to fade into the background. And we find ourselves, again, just kind of caught up with the worries and the cares of today. And we forget the moment that's right in front of us. And what happens is when we begin to go through things, when we go through something, 
we begin to tell ourselves this lie. And the lie is that it will always be like this. So, so if you're in here this morning and you're feeling the hurt and the pain, and maybe you're just going through a winter season in your life, it just feels like things are just dying around you. Man, it, depression and sadness and hurt and loneliness and just absolutely, I'm so tired. We begin to tell our li- ourselves the lie that, man, it's just always going to be like this. I'm always going to be depressed. I'm always going to be broke. I'm always going to be lonely. And we begin to believe those things. And the opposite is true. When things are going good, oh man, we act like we're just, hey, we're always going to be living on the top of this mountain. Hey, it's 2005 again, and everybody has more money than they can spend, and jobs are everywhere, and the economy's doing great, and all this stuff's happening, and we're just doing it because everything's amazing, and it, we're, there's never going to be any more bad days. And we've all been there. And we begin to tell ourselves that, hey, listen, it's always going to be like this. And we forget, just like everything, there's a time and a season. There's ebbs and flows and high tides and low tides. And the sun will rise and the sun will set. And there will be summers in your life again. And you feel depressed. But let me tell you, there will be a summer again. There will be joy again. There will be hope again, no matter what you're going through. No matter what loss, no matter how tragic, no matter what doctor report, no matter how, pain, how much pain that you're feeling right now, there will be a summer again. There will be a summer again. There's a rhythm. There's a flow. And, there, and there's keys to not forgetting this. There, there's keys. To not, and, and one is just to remember that we are a part of the kingdom. To be able to think kingdom, to realize that, man, this life is more than just this moment. This life is more than just this season, whether it's good or bad. That this life is really just a blink for all of eternity. For all of eternity. So we have, to, we have to think big picture. We've got to think kingdom. But here's where it gets tricky. Because when we begin to think kingdom and, and, and think big, t- big picture and all these things, it's easy to kind of get caught up in the future. And so the trick is not to just realize and live our lives a- as if there's something bigger than ourselves, but make it where it's not just out there, but make it where it's right now. That the kingdom of God is within you right now. See, it's, in other words, let me put it like this. It's not enough to just have the 20-year plan. You need to have the 20-day plan. You need to have the two-day plan. That God, yeah, I'm going to be here one day, but for right now, this is what I'm going to do this week. This is how I'm going to live for the kingdom today. For the next 20 minutes, for the next two hours, God, this is where you have me. And this moment is a gift and the present to be fully present in that moment. And Jesus is saying, listen, there are going to be days, guys. Y'all are asking me these questions. There's going to be days where you're going to long for days like this. I guarantee all of us are going to have that moment in life where we, where we look back and, man, gosh, I remember that day. 
Man, I, I thought I was going through something rough then. Man, what I'm going through now. I say, just, just take a moment and slow down. Realize the gift that's before you right now. The moment right now. Jesus is saying, I am here with you guys in the flesh right now. You don't know how many people ahead of, ahead of you will die for even a day like this. Imagine that moment. Imagine Jesus right here in the flesh. And yet, I guarantee you, we would still be asking him questions of like, well, Jesus, when are you going to do that? But, but how are you going to work this out? But in five years, how is that going to look? Right now, this moment. And Paul understands this when he's, there's this moment in his life where he's gone through all these great ministry. He finds himself in prison and he says this, listen, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. There, there, there's a part of me that wants to go on and be with the Lord, but there's a part of me that recognizes that right now, even though I'm in this prison, even though I'm in this kind of winter season, that I'm here for you. And even to live in this is Christ. To live in this, to live in this pain, this hurt, this suffering. I've been beaten more times than I can count. I've been shipwrecked. I've been lied about. I've had people leave me time and time again. I know what it's like to feel the hurt and the loneliness. But even in this moment, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. I don't want to wake up one morning and find that life has passed me by. Because it's seasons. There's ebbs and flows. And if we're not careful, like Jesus is saying, to understand the times, we will find ourselves like the Pharisees. Always kind of wondering about the future and missing what's right in front of us. Um, this week, we're at the house, and my daughter, Kobe, is four years old now. I love telling stories about my daughter. I know y'all have I think he's going to tell another daughter story. Sorry. But uh, one of our things, and I, I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> one of our things is, you know, me and Kobe have this kind of special sense of humor where we think things that a lot of people don't think are funny, we think are hilarious. And one of the things that we think that are hilarious is when everything's real quiet and somebody passes gas. <laughs> and Kobe will just laugh. She will laugh uncontrollably for 10 minutes, and her laughter is just so contagious that it makes me laugh, it makes Devin laugh, and, Re and so the whole family is laughing at somebody. And it, usually it's Reese, our little 19-year-old, 19-month-old. You know, she, she, she'll, she'll do this, and like the family will just laugh and laugh, and, and Devin will just, now, honey, you know, we, we use our manners, and that's, that's not. And, and finally, we kind of stopped doing that, and we just kind of realized that, hey, you know what? They're going to grow up, and it's going to happen soon enough, and they're going to learn all that stuff. They're going to learn how to be polite and public and all that. But for right now, let's just laugh about it. Let's just have fun and let her laugh for 10 minutes, and we're going to laugh and enjoy it. Because this is the season that she's in. And see, sometimes we want to jump ahead and live in another season. No. And see, Jesus even gets this kind of question about his disciples. See, the Pharisees come to him and they ask this question. Well, why is it this? Why is it that all of your disciples are eating and drinking and, and none of them are fasting? 
You know, John's disciples and all these others, they all fast. Well, how come your boys aren't fasting? And to which Jesus says, they're not fasting because I'm here. The, bride, the, the bridegroom is here. And why would they fast for me when I'm right beside them? But the day will come when I'll leave, and they'll, they'll have to. And see, so he was saying, listen, you've got to understand the time and the season. So you guys are trying, over here, y'all are trying to fast for something that's right in front of you. And you have blinders on. You're missing the joy that's in this day. Because the package that came to you was wrapped in a different bow. You were expecting something else. You got a baby and a manger, and that just blows your mind. And see, right now, some of you guys are expecting God to move in a certain way in your life, and he's moving in a different way but we don't like the way that he's moving. And God's just saying, this is the way I'm going to do it. But if you'll open your eyes to see, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And even in the pain, even in the hurt, even in the unanswered questions, God's saying, to live is Christ. There's, there's beauty in this moment. There's beauty in understanding the seasons that I have for you. There's beauty in the winter. There's beauty in the summer. God works all things for the good. But for the rest of this message, I want to talk about a little bit of a story of a man that didn't understand and recognize the times and the seasons of his life. And that's David, King David. Uh, in the book of Second Samuel, there's this pretty famous story that most of us know about him and Bathsheba. And the first thing... They, the, the Bible tells us this. And so it happened in the spring of the year at the time, this is Second Samuel chapter 11. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and uh, they destroyed these different groups of people, but David remained in Jerusalem. So at the time when kings go to battle, David stayed at home. He stays at home. The story goes on to where he goes up on the roof. He looks down. He sees Bathsheba bathing. He says, who is this? He calls for her. He comes. He, he sleeps with her. She goes back home. She sends a letter to him and says, listen, I am with child. And so David comes up with his plan. He says, all right, well, this is what we're going to do. Where is her husband at? Oh, well, he's out in battle. He's doing the thing that you should be doing. He's out in battle. David says, well, send for him. I'm going to bring him here. He, and he has this plan where he'll sleep with his wife and then nobody will know that it was really me. And he's trying to cover up his sin. So the first thing that happens is when we fail to under, understand and recognize the seasons in our life, we leave ourselves vulnerable to attack. But here's where it gets interesting. The attack that I'm talking about is not the vulnerable attack from the enemy. To the enemy, he'll do everything he can to get you all the time. But when we find ourselves not recognizing the seasons of life, what happens is we leave ourselves vulnerable to ourselves. See, it wasn't the devil. It wasn't the enemy. No, none of these things trying to get at David. It was himself. He messed himself up. How, how many of you know there is no enemy like the enemy of you? You can mess yourself up easily. T.D. Jake says it like this. There is an enemy in a me. There is an enemy in a me. 
Nobody can beat me up like I can beat myself up. Nobody can cause me to trip and stumble and fall like I can cause myself to trip and stumble and fall. There is no devil that can mess me up the way I can mess me up. And so we've got to learn, we've got to learn to encourage ourselves. We've got to learn to motivate ourselves. We've got to learn to, to, to dwell on the good things. We've got to learn to stop messing ourselves up. See, we spend all day thinking negative thoughts and we wonder why we're depressed. It ain't the enemy, okay? You've spent all day being doom and gloom. You're messing yourself up. <laughs> there, there was this um, Duck Dynasty episode where the father, uh, Phil, he takes the grandkids out fishing. So they're out fishing in this boat. And, and two, two of the young teenage boys, the whole time they're fishing, they're out there on their phone doing this. And Phil looks at them and he says, right there, boys, that's why y'all ain't got no personality. Y'all can't even talk to a girl. Y'all over there trying to text to find a date. You can't talk to a girl. And he just went off. It was hilarious. Like, it was so true. It was this moment of like, they're messing themselves up. Like, they're, in the, they're out there in nature and this beautiful creation and, and fishing with their grandpa. And they're just, you know, and they're missing it. Like, we can mess ourselves up. We attack ourselves. See, David got lazy. At the time when kings go to war, he decided, I'm just going to relax. I'm gonna just going to hang out here at the house. I'm just, eh. Was it a sin? No, it wasn't a sin. He wasn't, wasn't doing, doing anything. He just wasn't where he was supposed to be. He didn't recognize the season. He didn't recognize the time, and he wasn't in the place that he should have been. I was in East Timor uh, quite a few years ago. Uh, it w- wasn't too long after the... Uh, civil unrest, and uh, I was with this group that they said, hey, let's hike up this one mountain, and at the time, I literally had nothing. I had a backpack, two pairs of shorts, a couple of shirts, and my flip-flops, of course, my surfboard, and, and I said, man, you know, I don't know if I could make this hike up, but all I got is my flip-flops. Anyway, I, all right, let's, let's do it. So I'm hiking up this mountain in my flip-flops, and we get about three-quarters of the way up, and I kind of realized, man, I can't really go any further. Um, it's, it's getting ready to be nighttime, trying to come down with these flip-flops. It's just, it's, I'm in a place where I shouldn't be. And so I tell the guys, yeah, I, I got to turn back. You guys go ahead, but I'm going I'm to turn back. And the whole time I'm turning back, I'm thinking, man, why did I do this? Why did I decide to come up this mountain? Knew I shouldn't have done it, but did it anyway. And so there's this moment where I'm walking back, I'm all by myself, and and in the jungle, and you're hearing all the animals around you, and all of a sudden my mind starts going to worst case scenario. I did some tiger or something's going to grab me. I don't, you know. But then, then all of a sudden, I found myself in this part where the, the two mountains came down together, and there was a little stream that was running in between them, and it was just covered with with leaves and rubbish. And so when you were when you were walking, you really couldn't see where your foot was stepping. Uh, and so I stepped into this open area, and it, it, it's merging down, and all of a sudden I start hearing what sounded just like, I don't know how many snakes, just, and I thought, oh, no, I'm in flip-flops, and like, 
I can't see my foot. Eh. But I had the only way down this mountain. I couldn't turn around. The sun was setting. There was no way I could go back up to go back down the way I came. I had to go through this thing. And so every step was this the step of, oh, Lord, what have I gotten myself into? Dear Lord Jesus, I'll never walk up a mountain again. I, I promise, Lord, just get me out of this situation. You know, and you just start making every promise that you can think of. Lord, I'll never do that again. I'll never cuss again. I promise. I, whatever it is, whatever you can think of, you're, you're just you're praying to Jesus about it at this moment because I don't want to get bit by a snake. And in my book, there's no such thing as a good snake. Y'all can, y'all can like them all you want, but, like, don't roll up around me with one because I do got to conceal carry. He might shoot you and the snake. But... Uh, <laughs> As a side note, there was this guy one time, <laughs> he, he came to church, and, and we started talking afterwards, and, hey, you know, blah, 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 what do you do? Well, I raise snakes. I said, hold on, <laughs> let me just pause you right there for a moment. Let me make this abundantly clear. I, I love you, man, I appreciate you, but never, never, ever, ever bring no snake around me. Don't bring no snake around this church. Don't even put it in the parking lot. We got police officers and stuff. We'll, we'll do whatever, like, just so we're clear on that. You can raise the mugs all you want at your house, but that's, that's where the, there is a line. You know, I don't know them snake handling churches or whatever, you know, down the deep Mississippi South. This ain't one of them. All right, you go down there and do all that mess. All right, completely out of context, too, from what the Bible says. But anyway, so I'm, I'm walking through this valley, and the whole time I begin to pray like David prayed, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Wait, what was that? What was that? And I'm just praying, but I had found myself in a place I didn't belong. I'd messed myself up. Just praying, God, just, just get me out of this. And, and oftentimes, guys, we could just, when we don't understand the season that we're in, when we don't understand what time and what place and, and being fully present with what God has for us, we live so far in the future that we'll find ourselves creating our own destruction, being our own worst enemies, living sad and depressed and lonely, not because of the attacks of the enemy, but because of the attacks of ourselves. And then what happens is there's a phase two to this operation where once we've kind of attacked ourselves enough, we'll begin to attack others. And it's not just that we attack others, but we attack the very ones that we love. And we attack the very ones that love us. See, because listen to this. David goes and he sleeps with Bathsheba, and that's not bad enough, but Uriah comes in. And Uriah is her husband. And if we were to read later on, it gives this list of David's mighty men. And it's all this list of all of the guys that, out of all of the, the thousands and thousands of men that were in David's army, these were the elite, the, the top notch, the Navy SEALs of David's army. And you know whose name you find in that list? Uriah. This is the guy that, David, I will fight for you. I'll lay down my life for you. And, and David does this. He says, well, we'll bring him here. I'm going to do this with him to tr- try and trick him. And then when that doesn't work, David actually sends a letter by Uriah's own hand to Joab, the commander of the army, and says, do this. Put Uriah in the front in the most fiercest battle. When things get hot, withdraw so that he would be killed. He's killing one of his top soldiers. 
He has this plan. See, here's the thing. The story, the st- story if we were to back up a moment, a moment where David brings Uriah in, he, he brings him to the house, and it says this, that David brings him in. It finds out that Uriah has slept on his porch without going in to be with his wife. So David's plan's busted. And, and so David, David says, well, why, why aren't you going into your house? Why aren't you eating and drinking and, and, and being with your wife? And this is how Uriah replies. And Uriah said to David, the ark of Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. And my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house and eat and drink and lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do such a thing. He was saying, listen, David, I know that you don't understand the times, but let me refresh your memory. We're in war right now. And Joab, our commander, and all of my boys are out there in the field. And they're taking, they're taking arrows. They're, they're, they're doing all this. People are dying out there. And how am I going to come in and eat and drink and be merry and sleep with my wife? And what he's basically saying is, I'm not going to be doing the things that you are doing. You should be out there. And this is what happens. D- David's just like, oh. And then he does the plan to send him into battle and get him killed. What happens when we don't understand our season and our time? We begin to believe that everybody else has the character that we have. See, David, David believed of Uriah because, uh, because this is what I would do. This is what Uriah will do. And Uriah stops him and says, listen, just because you would do that doesn't mean I will do that. Let's bring it home. How many of us, if, if you're a thief... You think everybody else is a thief. If you're a liar, you think everybody else is a liar. Or because you would have lied in that circumstance, you believe that, well, they would lie in that circumstance. And you, you, you begin to believe the worst about these people. And here, here's what happens is you're not seeing the worst in them. You're seeing the worst in you. See, all of the things that you would do you begin to put on them because I would lie, because I would cheat, because I would steal, because I would do these things. Therefore, you would, because I don't have any character. I'm assuming that you don't have any character either because David's not doing what he's supposed to. I'm, I'm assuming that Uriah will do the same thing that I'm doing, eat and drink and be merry and go be with your wife. And Uriah says, no, I understand the time and the season. And David was just seeing a reflection of himself. He was saying, listen, because I would do this. I'm assuming you would do it. And that's why his plan fails. Because Uriah says, no, I have character. Let me pause for a second. See, right there, I just saved some of you guys like thousands of dollars of going to the psychiatrist (laughs) and trying to figure out what's wrong with me. Well, what's wrong with this, this? And they say, man, let's be honest. Honest we are, we're just seeing a reflection of our own true character. And it takes that moment where we have to sit back and say, no, he was right. But that's not what David does. And so he attacks himself. He gets himself caught up in sin and doing all these things. And then he attacks 
the very ones that love him. And, and then the story goes further. Then David falls into such hypocrisy that the Lord sends this prophet Nathan to him. And, then, and the prophet tells him this kind of parable, this little story. Hey, there was these two guys. And, and this one guy was rich, and he had all that he could want. He had all these possessions. He had all the land and all these sheep and all these things. But there was this one poor guy, and all he had was this one sheep. But the man who was rich took that one sheep from the poor man because he wanted it. And to which David, all of a sudden, we must, this is wrong, this is wrong. We've, let's kill this guy. And to which the prophet goes, aha, that man is you. And then there's this moment where David all of a sudden realizes his own hypocrisy, that he was the rich man. He stole from Uriah that only had this one. He could have had anything he wanted He's attacked himself. He's attacked the one he's loved. He's fallen into such hypocrisy that he couldn't even see. He couldn't even see how deep he's gotten because he didn't recognize the season. He didn't recognize the time. He could look to the sky and say, listen, there's a cloud forming. There's going to be rain. The wind's blowing out of the south. It's going to get warmer. But he couldn't understand the time and the season that God had for him. And it all just started with five minutes on the roof. At a time when kings go to war, he decided to get lazy. And here's the thing. If you're in a battle, you need to armor up. You need to armor up. If, if you're, you're having attacks on any front, you, you've got to get in the word. You've got to get in your Bible. You've got, to, you've got to start praying. You've got to start fasting. You've got to understand the season in which you're in. And so, so oftentimes, like, I'll talk to people and they just say, man, I just feel like I'm getting attacked. And so I want to say, well, well, are you reading your Bible, first of all? Well, I haven't read my Bible in six months. You're leaving yourself vulnerable. You've got to get in the Word. You've got at good times and bad times. We've got to recognize the seasons. This is what I really felt to sum all this up that the Lord wanted to say to somebody in this room. This doesn't apply to everybody, but I think it applies to someone. If you're in a winter season of your life, don't chop down any trees. Don't chop down any trees in the winter. See, on the outside, it looks like it's all but dead. Everything in your life, it looks like it's falling apart. It looks like that's a dead tree. It looks like there's no hope. But on the inside, there's life. And the seasons will change. And there will be hope again. I know you can't see it now. I know it just feels like you've been in this winter for so long. You've been depressed for so long that all you could see is, man, this is how it's going to look like for the rest of my life. And you begin to believe that lie. It's always going to hurt this bad. It's always going to be like this. And it's a lie. There's seasons. There's flows. High tides and low tides. Summers and winters. And the earth is still spinning. And there's still movement. And there's a time 
to be born, a time to die, a time to gather, a time to scatter, a time for peace, a time for war, a time for love, a time for hate. There's times and seasons. May we not be ones that are able to just discern the faces of the sky and the earth, but may we be ones that can discern the spiritual seasons in which God has us. May we know and be able to to live fully present while knowing. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org.